Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. So, Mr. Davis, how about we start our tech gumbo off with a little bit of a, a retraction? Yeah, this is not something that we normally have to do, but we found it important. Last week's story, we talked about how Google altered search queries to get at your wallet. This is a story that we found on Wired, and we found it pretty compelling. But it turns out it might not have been true. The Wired editorial leadership has released a retraction that said that the story did not meet their editorial standards, and it was removed. So therefore, when Wired says they're not comfortable with the story, we're going to tell you we're not comfortable with the story, because that is what we do here on this show. We're not doing all the investigative reporting. We read articles. We read what's going on in the news, and we give you our analysis of that news. So here we go with some analysis of maybe the story wasn't quite up to standards. Yeah, that's very interesting because it was I was sitting there tracking it over the couple of days that, you know, after it come out, we, we talked about it. I saw some people saying, oh, you know, hold on. Let's go. Let's go look into this more. Wow. This is a pretty big claim. It's, it was very specific, too. They had a specific example. And so they sat there. You know, other people tried to track it down, tried to confirm it. And whenever they were unable to confirm it, they started asking a whole bunch more questions and Wired pulled it which is a fascinating twist here. And very good on Wired for, for having the, the courage to say, yeah, this was, this was wrong. Moving along, it appears Kroger, which has done away with most of their checkout counter employees, is going to start using AI to stop theft. So this is a fascinating story. Because their argument is that the, the industry term is shrink, the retail term for theft, has gone up recently, and they're saying a lot of it comes down to self-checkout, that either people don't know what they're doing 
when they, they check out and they check out wrong, or they do know what they're doing and they intentionally check out wrong. And so they're going to put AI in those cameras up there to sit there and watch you. And that is going to lead to less shrink. Yes. The idea is that you're not an employee. You've not been trained how to use the self-checkout, even though most people have figured it out by now. But occasionally you might get it wrong. You may miss, you may thought you heard the little ding or the beep or the whatever noise, but it didn't actually. And so the Kroger employee is then going to have to come over and say, I'm sorry, we think you've made a mistake. You did not actually ring up that $1.25 pack of, of whatever. And it's important enough for us to come over and embarrass you about a $1.25 piece of whatever. And then you can sit there and say, oh, wait, no, I did. It, it is right. And then the Kroger employee has to say, oh, looks like our artificial intelligence might have made a mistake. I'm sorry. No part of that is a good scenario. I totally agree. It's also, you get to see how much they think that they're going to save on this. Because the checkout employees that have been replaced were making minimum wage. And so even in the most you know crazy parts of the country, that's $15 an hour. And so then when you think about, okay, the amount of product that has been stolen has to be less than that number because otherwise it was more than that number they just switch back to the human checkouts and so we're already dealing with a pretty small volume of goods over the course of when you think about how many people are checking out per hour you're in the hundreds maybe closer to a thousand dollars worth of stuff and so that you're dealing with small margins in the first place and then when you think about how accurate are those self-checkout machines, how often do they just give you an error anyway? How often are they just wrong and the employees to come over and say, oh, sorry, they're acting up today. And they have to swipe their badge and their company number and, and say, ignore it. The person knows what they're doing. How many times that can happen on the first day where the AI throws up a flag and the person's like, nope, these are all the things. I scanned them properly. There it is on, on the screen. And the person who's already not paid that much is definitely not paid enough to care how long before they just start saying, ah, it's wrong, ignore it, I don't care, you know, whatever. That's going to happen immediately. And so what have we done here? And it's really amazing because if Kroger goes ahead and, and they do this and it shows a one-tenth of one percent reduction in shrinkage, well, you know, the big boys, Walmart and Target are coming right behind with it. And when Walmart and Target come behind and they do it, then every other store is going to go out there. Well, if the big boys can do it, we've got to do it, too. And so now Big Brother is really, really watching everything you're doing and going to decide if you're doing it right or wrong. I just have a real big problem with this. If it's that much of a problem put the, the the person back at the cash register let them check you out so my question here is that we already know that these stores try and build profiles on you so let's say that's you know they use you, you swipe your card 
and your card has, you know, is your card has your name attached to it. It has your credit card or bank account number attached to it. They start attaching your card to your face because these cameras are looking at you. And then now they have other cameras in the store that are sitting there watching you walk around and they have all this attached to your swiping data. And they're going to look at behavioral data because the way that they're going to figure out if you swipe something wrong or not is they're looking through patterns. And so how much data are they going to be collecting? How much data are they already collecting? How much do we just not know about because they don't have to tell us? How much more will they be collecting and be using and how will they be using it? Oh, and since they're collecting all that data, you walk in the store, the red flag immediately goes up and alerts the employees to keep an eye on you. You come to the register and now all of a sudden the, the manager is watching over your shoulder as you're doing everything. How uncomfortable are you feeling? Because you're on the, the shrinkage watch list, not to be confused with the, the TSA watch list, but it will be just a one step below it. This is creepy. And we know how much bias exists in artificial intelligence data. And so you can guess who are the people who are going to have that security guard watching them a little bit more closely. And you are just one step away from winning a slam dunk lawsuit whenever the AI miscategorizes or does something wrong and says, hey, go watch that person. And it was a totally innocent person doing completely nothing wrong, but they got flagged in the system and the system was wrong. I mean, this stuff writes itself. It, this is all so obvious. It is all so straightforward and we are powerless to stop it. It's just one more thing that the TV attorneys will make money on. You know what would be fantastic? If we had general data privacy rights then we'll be able to know all these things. We would know how much is Walmart or Target or Kroger watching us, and we would be able to have control over what they do with our data. That is the solution to all of this, is a general data privacy rights bill or legislation. Good luck with that. Okay, moving on. Uber is introducing a package return service. So if you bought something online and didn't like it, didn't fit, whatever, and you need to return it, and you don't want to drive all the way to the post office or the UPS or FedEx store, now for five bucks, Uber will come get it for you. This is interesting to me because it's a great deal for me as the consumer. Five bucks and all of a sudden some package I don't want anymore disappears? That's great. What I don't get is how this works from the driver's perspective because unless you live very close to the post office, $5 is not enough to cover your time or the cost of gasoline on your vehicle. I, I don't get how this maths out. I agree. Logistics is a very interesting business and it's how they how they come up with the, the algorithms to put, pull this all together is way beyond my capacity. It's probably much more in your wheelhouse and I get it, but I don't understand how they can, how that driver can make money. They come pick up my package. They've got to spend time getting to the house, pick up the package, leave, go to the post office, go to UPS. Now they don't have to spend time in that post office, but if it's a 25, 30 minute trip or, and they can only do two of those in an hour, they've made 10 bucks. 
and spent a lot of money on gasoline. This just confusing. I agree. The the one possible place I could see this going is that Uber is eating a lot of money and that Uber is actually paying the driver more than five bucks on this and that they're doing it as a loss leader and that they're hoping that enough people will start using it and that they slowly raise the prices over time on this and that they think that the customer loyalty and retention will be so powerful that that's what they're making a long-term play here. Maybe I'd buy that argument, but... That that makes more sense than anything else. I, I agree. Because, you know, another thing that we thought about is maybe the driver would be able to pick up multiple packages at once. But unless they are very close together, they have to be pretty much each an individual leg. And so you're not really getting a lot of these effects of being able to cluster them together. Because if you could cluster and say, okay, well, you know, I only need to make one run per day instead of 10. And I'm going to go just pick up package, 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 package drop all of them off at once now you're doing something interesting here but from what we can tell looking at uber's website that is not how they intend the service to be used so we'll keep an eye on that maybe even try it a time or two if it comes to a city near you it's not going to be universal wherever uber is it's it's select markets for now but eventually it'll roll out Moving on to the next story, Vermont Utility, Green Mountain Power in Vermont, is looking to start giving their customers electric batteries in their homes. They're talking about using the Tesla size wall mount batteries that would run an entire household and charge your EV for you as well. But they're going to continue to have power coming into that. So they're still going to make some money for the power they're generating, because it's just going to be basically there to top off the battery bank. Yes, they're, they're not doing this out of the goodness of their hearts. They're doing this because they feel like it's a good business decision for them. They were sat, sitting there running the numbers on how much additional lines it have to run, how much that was going to cost them. And they said that the amount of extra cables they're going to have to string would be more expensive than just sitting there putting a battery in every person's home And oh, by the way, if you're in an emergency scenario, like you have a storm blow through and you you knock out a power line, well, if you have that battery bank, that can sit there and run your house for hours or days, depending on how you draw down from it. So you're getting a lot of really nice resiliency and redundancy effects as well from this. A lot of the utility companies are actually trying to strengthen the grid. They're switching to burying cables, not just running them up on power lines. Of course, that's not the way it happens in Louisiana. We very much want our power lines exposed to the elements up on. But everywhere else around the world, they're actually burying the, the cables underground so as to help prevent outages. And this is a long-term solution that they think is going to save them money. Because it also works whenever they try to switch over to renewables. Renewable energy sources are just less consistent. You know, you only get solar energy when it shines. You only get wind energy when it blows. And so you have to be able to manage those peaks and valleys a little bit better in your grid. And the addition of all these batteries allows them to do that. Whenever you don't have to build to that absolute maximum amount of power demand and you can sit there and you can have the batteries supplement that, all of a sudden you make your system much more reliable at lower intensity. And oh, by the way, 
Green Mountain is a relatively small utility, only about 270,000 businesses and or homes that they're serving. So it's not like this is a major metropolitan area. They're, they're doing this. Vermont's a very rural state, so it, it's much easier to make this play there. But it's cool to see them doing something innovative. And hopefully, if they prove that it can be done, there are lessons learned. Maybe this idea starts to spread into other parts of the country. And so over the, and the plan is to do this, to roll this out. It's not going to happen tomorrow or overnight. This is over the next seven to 10 years that they're going to be rolling this plan out. So, yeah, it'll be fun to watch how they, they, they do this. And as we see more stories on it, we will certainly talk about it. The last fun story that we were excited about LSU is announcing that they are going to have an AI-engaged classroom from the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. Starting in the spring of 2024, the classes, you know, those English classes where you have to write big term papers and and book reports and all those kinds of things, they're going to teach kids how to use these large language models, the chat GPTs and the BARDs and whatnot. They're going to teach them how to use this tool to write better papers, not write the entire paper. And it just just makes sense to me. Oh, yeah. The chair of the Department of English said, for English, the relationship between AI and writing is a pressing question that must be explored rather than resisted. And I love that mindset. The fact that we are not being tepid here. We're not being terrified. We are saying that this technology is here to stay. And if we are training the next generation, those kids who are 18, 19, 20, this is going to be around for the rest of their lives. They need to understand how to interact with this and how to not be afraid of it and how to use it, how to utilize it, how to really harness the power of these things, how to think about them properly. This is a great change. This is a great vision for the future here. It's going to be taught in sociology and political science, philosophy, religious studies, psychology. It's just going down the list of of everything that's in the the humanities and social sciences. They're just flat out saying, look, we're going to have to do this. We're going to have to, we're going to take leadership and show you what we think is proper, how we want you to use this. We want you to use it. We know you're going to use it just like you were saying. So, why don't we do this together instead of sticking our head in the sand and hoping it goes away? Because there's also just, it's cool and it's interesting at its fundamental core. The, you know, the professor of the Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies said, the humanities and social sciences are central to helping improve AI design and implementation since they are uniquely positioned to address issues such as heuristic biases, representation, and digital hallucination. Basically, the Department of Philosophy has been asking for a long time, what does it mean to think? What does it mean to be human? When does something have a soul? All those sorts of questions. It used to be very, very easy to say, oh, well, computers can't think. Computers don't have a soul. Those are all just fictitious. But as these large language models get better and better and better, that becomes a more interesting conversation. And I would rather there be people thinking about this and being able to say, no, 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 we can still draw the line. They are still not real. They are still not human. This is how we know. This is why we're certain of this. But one day in the future, if something else were to check off these boxes over here, that's when you just start getting worried. 
I want someone to have already thought about that. I don't, I don't want to end up on the other side of it and go, oh, wait a minute. Did we already do it? Troy Blanchard, the dean of the LSU College of Hum- Humanities and Social Sciences, said, our faculty and students are confronting the critical role of AI in shaping the human-centered future of Louisiana, the nation, and the world. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast. Available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.